Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of L.A. actor life plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine. Some people call me One Broke Actress. It's not actually true, by the way. I don't think anyone calls me One Broke Actress. I think everyone calls me Sam Valentine. I'm digressing because I just finished recording today's episode just now, which I never do. I usually batch episodes way in advance, which is a huge, huge time saver because getting actors and creatives in a space at a certain time is really hard to do. So I batch episodes previously and then record the intros and outros right before um, the podcast comes out. A little sneak peek for you. But uh, this week I was able to record today's episode last night. So this is Monday I'm talking to you and I recorded this episode just now and I'm just brimming with excitement to share it with you because it was really, really inspirational and I've known these women for a while and to hear their perspective in this way was really different for me. But before we get there, guys, this is episode 10 of season two. Do you know what this means? This means there are only two episodes left in this season of the podcast. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to take a short break. So in the meantime, if you could rate and review the podcast, please, please, please. I know how many of you listen and I know how many of you have posted reviews and the number is not equal and it makes me very sad. Sad as I sit alone in my kitchen and record this. So please, please, please do me a huge favor and rate and review the podcast. Speaking of that, we had a little contest last week. I asked for a rating interview from you guys for Lisa's episode to win a free copy of her book. And our winner is Nicole Delgado. Hey, girl. Thank you so much to everyone who rented. And uh, Nicole, I will be reaching out via email in the next couple of days. Guys, thank you so much for your continued support for this season, for rating and reviewing the podcast. There is so much good stuff to come. I am already planning for season three. And I think I'm going to send some surprises your way, but we're not quite done with season one yet. So please, please, please make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast. It helps a lot uh, to get more people to see it because the more reviews you get, the higher you are on the iTunes list and the more searchable you are. And that's kind of why people ask for reviews. Like I don't get anything out of it except for more actors to find this podcast, which I've been talking a lot about supporting your fellow actor lately. And uh, that qualifies just so you know. Speaking of that, I just put up a new post earlier this week about that competition mindset and supporting your fellow actor. So if you guys want to head over to OneBrokeActress.com, you can find that there, along with the call sheet, our weekly email update list, letting you know what's going on in the industry, along with some other helpful tips and tricks along the way. That is available via subscription from the One Broke Actress website. Myself and Jenna Mitchnow put it together every week just for you guys, just a little reach out. There's no ads or anything on there. It's just some information we think people should have. Um, okay, follow me on Instagram at Sam Valentine. And I think that's it. I think that's all I have for you today. So let's get to the podcast. I'm really excited. This week we have the ever popular, ever exciting double guest podcast. These two ladies... Kelsey Gonzalez and Krista Hazelwood are two boss babes to the definition of the word. They not only got started and Kelsey created and Krista supported the entire buildup of what is known as quinch staffing, but they are both incredible powerhouses of women. They have ridden the trajectory of their career in such a way that is It looks easy when you watch it, but knowing them, I know that they, they work so goddamn hard. Not only do they help run a business that is thriving, but they both work so hard in their careers, the transitions of their careers, the ups, the downs. Krista just moved into voiceover work and Kelsey just had a little baby. So there's a lot going on here. So today we are going to cover everything from making your own side hustle to finding the passion, finding your purpose, finding what inspires you. We are going to talk about what makes actors good and potentially bad employees all around. We're going to talk about how to stay inspired in this career even through the worst ends of it. 
and how these ladies have done what they've done in their short amount of time. We've also talked a little bit about time management skills and just keeping our general shit together, which we all could use a little help in. So I won't keep you any longer, guys. So without further ado, please enjoy Krista and Kelsey. So I'm here with Krista and Kelsey. Hey. Hello. Hi, ladies. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to have you guys on because, not only because you're both in the business, but because you guys have created your own work. You are some of the busiest people I know, but I still see you out at bars. I still see you at workouts. I still see you like maintaining a life. Um, and I know that the balance is, is hard achieved, but I kind of just wanted to run that whole conversation of finding the balance, finding your passion versus your hobbies versus your jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the coveted work-life balance. Yeah. Yes. This is the <laughs> conversation. Yeah. That impossible thing. Well, let's start with then how you both got to LA and either one of you can start. Okay. Um, I came to LA as a perky 18-year-old who couldn't wait to get to Hollywood, and I went to USC, and I got, much to my parents' dismay, a degree in theater, um, which was good. I mean, it was a really good life experience, and I loved the school, but yeah, I couldn't wait to get here, and I have not left since. Well, I guess I went to Vancouver for a little bit, but I've been here ever since, so... Just like two years, <laughs> celebrating my second year in LA anniversary. No, it's I've been here for now, you know, fifteen years, right did, around there. When did you know you were going to be an actor? When I was in third grade, and I was crazy shy. I had one friend and big red glasses. I was in my first play, and I had one line. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I remember everyone laughed at the line I said, and I was, it was like being hit by like a little lightning bolt. I just felt. Do you remember what the line was? It was something, it was hysterical. I was given really good material. Um, It was something, I was Goldilocks, and it was not a play about Goldilocks, but Goldilocks made a quick appearance, and it was something about the three bears and finding, finding something just right, but. Yeah, it worked. Killed it. Yeah, I killed it. I actually, yeah. And then from there, I kind of caught the bug. And then I really loved the idea of being, it helped me feel seen, you know, and gave me a voice. And so I loved my classes. And yeah, I was hooked ever, ever since I was Goldilocks. (laughs) I think I had the same like early awakening. And I'm from the Midwest. So it's a very different world, Oklahoma. And so, yeah, it's a very different, like, upbreaking world environment. The arts are not supported, but there's not really a platform in which to thrive. So I felt like, you know, growing up, you're, like, doing dance competitions, but it's really about, like, being in the skirt or the social aspect. And I was, like, (laughs) the weirdo who was, like, totally in it for the sport and really wanted to, like, be the one who was, like, tumbling across the floor and doing all the things. So I I was, like, a sixth, seventh grader at, like, a dance convention never knew really what hip hop was or that like my body could do that. It was more, I was always like, everybody's got to be in tights and your hair in a bun and ballet. And I was like, my feet don't do that. And I was just like, so bummed that like, I was never good at anything in that regard in terms of dance. And then when this hip hop had come in and then we learned this dance and I was like, Oh my God, my body does these things. I get to move around and I feel really excited. And so it was like unlocked this like performance key for me to where something went from like, um, very after school activity to like, I need to do this. And, and so early then I knew I would move to LA when I was ready, but I also knew that like, I was the youngest in a class in high school. So every year I was the youngest person at every party and the last to drive. And I never got to do any of the things that everybody my age got to do when they got to do them. It was always when some, the younger class, I got to do it with them. Uh So I knew that I wasn't going at like 17 to LA. I knew I needed to grow up a little more. I was like, okay, I'll go to college and be a dance performance major because obviously you're going to do both did all that. the things yeah. you're going to do all business things in life and make money with a performance degree. So that's what I did. And then when I got to the point when I felt like I'm mature enough to go take this on, which was at the ripe age of 21, then I, I left and I was like, okay, I'm going. And I, prior to moving to LA, being completely out of the industry, I had a mentor that kind of like, she said, it's best to be 
in the worst place in the best neighborhood than be in the best place in the worst neighborhood. So you need to move to West Hollywood. That's you need to be in the central hub of where you're at. It's going to be very difficult, but that's how you'll figure it out. So I did what she told me to do and moved to West Hollywood. And I like that thing. Like yeah. 11 years later, I'm still in West Hollywood, even it's, though like I explored Venice and all these other places. But you quickly, quickly learn in your culture shock of wherever you're coming from that a I have to hustle. B, there's a lot of traffic. C, things are really far apart. And D, that actors and performers have to be able to go everywhere in LA. So in doing that, I quickly started to like, okay, I got to formulate and organize my whole entire life right now. And I got to do all these things. And, and that's where I landed. And I did have that moment of exploring Venice. And then it was like, oh my God, but I have to be at this restaurant job at four o'clock. And then I have this acting class at this time. And it's going to take me an hour and a half to get to West Hollywood from Venice at three o'clock. And then it's going to take me 15 minutes to get home. So that's when I was like, okay, you have to work where you live and I have to move back to West Hollywood. And, mm-hmm. and then, then that's kind of how I landed here. And it was just like, who do I align with? What do I do? I need a class. I need a job and I need a place to sleep. Yeah. And then <laughs> priorities. I, yeah. That was the, that was the priority. And then I kind of took it from there. I always tell people I'm like, when you get to LA, don't sign any long-term lease. Nothing over Craigslist. three to six months. <laughs> yes. Find weird roommates. Sleep on couches because you don't know where you want to live until you live there. That's right. That is the truest form of it, too. And at that time, Craigslist wasn't so scary. I mean, it was 2006. So it was like the new mm-hmm. Facebook group at that time. And I think I got my job, my home, and my classes. Really? Off Craigslist? All off of Craigslist. Wow. In one week. I think I bought a couch. I was going to say, I think I got a couch. It was, it was like a 10-year run couch. All of it in Craigslist in one week. And I was like, okay. Damn. All right. That is a major win this. for Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do yeah. it anymore. No. Now that we're in a new age of podcasting. No, yeah. I would say. <laughs> Don't do it. There's a lot of other sites for that. So how did you guys end up meeting then? We met at the Hudson. Which yes. is a bar in Have, West Hollywood. Which everyone at this table has worked at yes. at one point. <laughs> yes. I know. I know, truly. Um, yeah, I was behind the bar bartending um, in all my misery. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was on the floor serving, trying to not let any other servers on the floor and make all the money. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then when I, when I decided to start quench krista could like run the hudson i was like i want that girl to come with me please please help me yeah (laughs) yeah so tell us what quench is oh right hello everyone um (laughs) quench uh quench staffing is it's a staffing agency and it first begun in uh 2009 um and it was really formed out of a place of sheer exhaustion from me i was as most good yeah as most good ideas come (laughs) total desperation this idea was born but i you know I had had a a company, actually now agency, I had a friend that worked for them and they had asked me to staff a couple events for them and I was working almost seven shifts a week, so six days a week but a double and I was slowly losing my mind. And you were acting. Yes. And going to auditions in the morning and closing the bar at night. Yeah. So my inspiration was like dwindling away from me. I just was too tired to be inspired. But I knew so much about the hospitality industry and the service industry and I knew all these people that I felt like were excellent and also aspiring actor, model, dancer, singers. So I was really, really easily able to staff these events. Um, And then I kept saying, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But as the universe seems to work this way, it kind of presents you these open doors. And whether you choose to walk through them or not is totally your prerogative. But I kept being hit in the face with this open door. And finally and begrudgingly, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the LLC. I just want to be an actress. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then I really liked it. Um, I really liked it, in fact, and I needed it more than I liked it, maybe. Mm -hmm. I immediately felt empowered. I loved being up when the daytime people are up and not being a vampire. (laughs) I was like, look at that. That's What is that, the sun? It's a good Um, feeling. Yeah, it was a really good feeling, and I started eating better and finding time to work out, and people talked to me like I wasn't an idiot all the time. You know, it wasn't about like, where's my credit card? I gave it to you, and my drink's 
taste shitty. And I was, you know, it was people that would talk to me with respect. So I really liked that feeling. I kind of became an empowerment junkie. And I've, and so I became obsessed with kind of growing the company. And I loved, I, you know, I'm passionate about employing other people. And my friends that I knew felt the same way that I did, that were sick and tired of clocking into the same shift every day, I thought, oh, well, this is a really cool way where we can do different kinds of jobs um, and work with different kinds of people and um, and so Krista very quickly came into the picture and she originally helped me just like stay on top of like the flow. And then eventually we got to a place where I was like, okay, I think quit the Hudson and come help for yeah. real. And then, then now I can do it without her. So but- I'm going to, I'm going to reverse you just a little bit. What was the initial part of this? Like, like in detail. So you were working at the Hudson. Yes. You were auditioning. And then yes. in your free time for a little while, all those things overlapped and you were also doing staffing? Yes. Yeah. And, and you that- just you, utilize the people you already knew mm-hmm. to fill these positions from the inn you had. Yeah. From all, I worked at Skybar and the Hudson and I'd worked everywhere, you know. Um, and so that, and then everyone kind of referred to me, their friends, and I just kind of found this need. It was this void and I somehow became the kind of liaison between these friends that were event planners and people that needed work. So... And then, and then when I quit the Hudson, I was a personal assistant for a while. Okay. Um, so, because I needed to bridge the gap, and I was gonna like stab someone with my wine opener. No, <laughs> not a, not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> like girl on the train style. Yeah, it. yeah. It was getting a little. So I was like, "Ooh, I, I gotta quit this." Did you um, have someone help you with the LLC process, or did you just? I got a loan it? from my dad for three thousand dollars, <laughs> um, and which I paid back. It's amazing. Um, and, but it took me like a year. <laughs> but I used that to buy the website and I used LegalZoom to, okay. I knew, I just knew I needed, a, I, it was so new at that point, but I knew I needed a business license. And LegalZoom actually is really good for opening LLCs. They kind of, you pay for them to walk you through the process and they help you file with the Secretary of State and all of that and get you, a, you know, uh, an EIN number, a tax ID number and that kind of thing. So it it kind of came to me in a binder, and I was like, ooh, I'm legitimate now. Of course, (laughs) then there's like 30,000 other things I needed to do that I I just learned as you go, you know? Um, You just kind of – they kind of – the things that you need to do to keep your business going kind of hit you in the face, and you're like, oh, I – okay, I need to – I need to – get unemployment insurance. Okay, I, now I'm now I'm doing that. So everything else kind of happened as I learned it. That's so. good. I feel like that's what holds a lot of people back sometimes is the initial, I don't know how to do everything. Yes. So you just pick a couple of things to start with and you just... It's a, it's a good fear to have, honestly. <laughs> it means I think you should look at what you have in front of you honestly and, and plan a little bit, you know, which I didn't do any of that. So <laughs> I'm giving advice to non-me's out there. But I think looking back, that's what I would have done. You know, and I think it's the reason so many businesses are successful like Rodin and Fields and Mary Kay, especially for women who are really driven and want to be their own bosses. Mm-hmm. But they... But it's so hard to build a business platform. And here are these companies that are like, hey, plug into this and be your own CEO. It's really, really a smart thing and very empowering as well. So so you got on that bandwagon real I fast did. then, Krista. <laughs> I did. You know, it was Kelsey and I became friends across the bar while we would work. And, you know, we kind of always shared the same work ethic. So yeah. it was great to like, on a Tuesday, she was like the one friend that wasn't like, do you want to go to this bar and go drink? She was like, you want to come over and organize things? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I do. I'm going to bring my bots. And then we would like sit and watch bad TV and like organize stuff. So, and I always had a business. <laughs> you guys. So it was so we also, weird. We, we, we also were really cool too. We I mean, we were, we were, it was just, just like, kidding. this is the one night I don't want to be sucked in by LA. And she like, yes, thank um, God. you know, we would get white wine and sit around and do things and then take like a, that was at the time that what was the Just Dance game that was? Oh on? yes, we like take a yeah. workout break and do one of those sessions and then yeah. go back on to the, the Wii. On the Wii, that's what it was. Someone so. when someone stole that Wii and it is still sad for me. But <laughs> no, yeah, that's what happens when you hang out with people from Craigslist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, what happens. that's what happens. No um, new friends on Craigslist. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know, it started as a very part time, like I've, I came from a family business and my mom had a gymnastics company growing up my whole life. So I was kind of always in the mentality of management and always coached and taught and did things on the side. So when I moved to LA, I was coaching gymnastics at a gym and I was like working with kids and I was just feeling like I have to give so much of myself to these kids and I don't have anything like left. So I'm going to go work in a bar because that's better. Right. So, yeah. um, you Which know, it's just kids just, just, just that you're managing kids, yeah. and then you're not responsible for them solely. So, yes. you know, we started working on a part-time basis and then I think, you know, as she really fully evolved out, I would do the events and do event management, but it was mainly like office admin stuff to start, but we just really synced and clicked and we have a really amazing work partnership. It's like, it's a very opposite, but a very same. So it, yeah. it's like a relationship. You want that balance, you know? Right. Um, and I remember being at the point, and then I, and in 2015, I was doing a lot of performance stuff and a lot of travel with performing. And so, and I was like down to like two or three days at the bar, but I was going, traveling all the time. And she was like, listen, if you want to work for this company, it's something you can take your computer and you can do all those things. So I which was, she it, did on like which, dance convention floors. Yeah. It was, I mean, Pretty I would amazing. like, they give you a hotel for the weekend and I was doing the dance gigs at night. And then I would like sit on my computer all day and do the jobs and like learn the ropes. And then at the point when it was like, she was like, I cannot handle all the business that's coming through on my own. It's more than one person can handle. And I was like, okay, I'll quit. I'll yeah. quit my job and I'll do this. And then we had to find our stride too, because it was an interesting time of like, she had to let her baby go and yeah. she had to trust somebody else to facilitate stuff because you could just not enough hours in the day and you're only one woman. So it, that was in 2000 at the beginning of 2015 is when we really like said, okay, she's going to take a chance on me and I'm going to take a chance on her and we're going to figure out how to make this work. And as a person who's like a performer and I'm a physical worker my whole life, whether that was like dancing or a gymnast or even service of bars, because as a server or a bartender, it's a very hard labor You're physical running. job. Yeah. And then somebody yeah. told me to like sit down and put my hands on a keyboard and not move for eight hours. And I was like, I'm going to break out. <laughs> like I'm going to break out. But also it was like, learn, you had to learn a new discipline. And, and that was the point is like, I needed to take control of my life in a different way and working in a restaurants. And as you know, like in the LA bar industry, you meet some of the best people you're going to meet in your life. And those are all of the people that I met there that I made relationships with. I still have relationships with, and those are the best parts about those jobs. Mm -hmm. And then everything else you could like never see again, and it would be totally fine. So I think I had to have this transition of like changing who I was and all the habits that I had created because when you first move to LA, it's easy to be focused and it's easy to get a lot done. I was like three months in LA and next thing you know, you're eligible to be in SAG and like you're doing all these things because you don't have any friends and <laughs> right. you don't have a you're life. Not, so it's so easy to be yeah. focused. And then very quickly as I started to build a life, it started to be easy to lose focus as an actor. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're being pulled in these social directions. And at the same time, it's really important to build a support system. It's really important to make friends. My family doesn't live out here. So there's all these things that have to be built. And then you're in your twenties and you know nothing and you think, you know, everything. And then you just want to like experience all the things. So I think there was a part in my life that I needed to adjust as I started to approach my latter twenties turning 30 and realizing that like this life night isn't a good life for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I can't work after 9 PM because I'm either going to be drunk myself or I'm going to be snatching people's heads off their neck. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like it's going to be one or the other. So I just can't be here after nine o'clock. It's uh -huh. not good for me. Quench, I think for both of us, I mean, it's changed now years later, but I think it was a good anchor. Yes. You know, I think there's um, when you're freelancing and working a million jobs, it's easy to feel really floaty. It takes a really special kind of person, Sam, to do it. Thank yeah. you. I mean, you're doing it amazingly. And I think it's really, really unique to find that. I think a lot of people flounder in that. You have to be extremely organized. And I think in a way, I don't know if I was, well, I think I was floundering. You were doing all right. But I, I was personally kind of floundering and quench uh, what became my anchor. And I needed that, you know. Do you think that it initially in the beginning helped 
or hindered your acting career? Because Hmm. I think that's a big, scary piece. Like for me, when I started doing work on my own, even when I started this blog and podcast, it it took a lot of hours and it's taken a lot of energy and a lot of time. And, and there are times where I'm like, did that, I think it sucked me away in some ways, but I think it also gives me an edge in some ways. So I'm yeah. curious how you look at business in that sense for both of you. It's a really good and important question. I think it definitely forked in the road, both Krista and I, mm-hmm. both of our careers. Um, and it, I think there's an argument to be made both ways here. But for me, I think it was really important. I ended up um, booking the biggest things I have booked after starting Quench that didn't happen before. I personally felt like... I, I, I felt like I wasn't using all of my brain just being in the service industry and auditioning. And when I walked in the room... I was so, when I wasn't exhausted and feeling void of inspiration, I loved the part so much in a way that was like, um, like was green and, you know, and kind of desperate. The mm-hmm. part you were reading for. Yeah, you the part I was part. reading, yeah. I just needed it thirsty. too much. I was thirsty. So thirsty. And then and I quenched, and then I quenched my thirst. Oh, yes. Um, no, <laughs> but I was, I was really thirsty and I and I, and I had kind of lost, I didn't, wasn't, I didn't know myself. I was questioning myself so much. Um, and then afterwards, Quench actually, you know, I think sometimes actors fall into the pitfall of just being an actor. And when you're trying to portray a real person, but you, all of your life experience has been in acting class and being an actor, you don't know how to tell another story. And so the two roles that I booked that I really liked afterwards were women professionals. And I didn't even have that inner voice before I started Quench. So I've taken a little bit of a break now because I'm on my latest creative pursuit motherhood. Um, I, I made a person and I made a very, very cute, very, yes. very adorable little person. She's the coolest. So it's been, now I'm kind of coming back to it and get, I just got an agent in Canada that I'm really excited about. And so I'm really excited to see now what this new layer of myself brings to it. Motherhood as a new layer. So you're I, a real young mom now. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying I'm young. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a real young, I'm not just playing the part anymore. Anymore. So I think the most important message or lesson that I learned there is that you all you need to be happy first. There should be no career on the planet that you're holding on to by your white knuckles and saying, I'm not gonna give up. Like if you're not happy, you need to you need to be a happy, fulfilled person. That's your number one thing. There's no relationship or career that should ever stand in the way of you being you know, in your, in your strongest place, healthy, healthy with yourself, you know? Um, and so be bold and, and find that. And if that means going away from something you, you promised yourself, you wouldn't, you know, you, you, you should. So, and it might not mean you have to lose it entirely. For me, it kind of opened a, a new door. And now that the company has grown, I find myself, you know, years later with availability to pursue it again in a different way. And I can try things on like producing, which I didn't have that skill set before. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that exactly what Kelsey said. But I do think like it, and when you start anything new, it does require a portion of your time that's more than you gave before. And when you're trying to anchor yourself or grow yourself in a certain way, it is going to require more of you. And which means other departments are going to get a little bit less I did have to give up isn't the word, but allow for Quench to take some priority while I redefined what my life was going to be like and why why I wanted to like, I needed to learn and I needed oh, I to love, like... I love that, to redefine what it's yeah. going to be like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, and, and that's kind of what we're always doing, right? Because nothing is permanent in life. Everything is a phase of life. So even now, like I'm in a new redefining place, like literally right now in this two weeks, realizing like, and I'm very fulfilled in my job and I'm fulfilled creatively and I'm fulfilled in my personal relationships, but I'm even realizing another moment in myself where I'm like, huh, 
like, oh, this is a little weird. I'm a little re- uh, not inspired in this moment to do things outside of what my responsibilities are. What is that? Like, I have to figure that out. I have to check that. So, but going back to it is, yes, you do have to give a little. You do have to give up a little. Now, that doesn't mean that it's forever. It just means that you need to open space. And a lot of times is where we get confused is we're afraid to open up new space because I'm hanging on to this thing so tight. And that's where stagnant energy is created, right? Because like you're holding this space and I have to do this and da, 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 da. But like, if you would just let go a little and release a little bit, it doesn't change your heart. It doesn't change the passion of what you're going for. You're just allowing for new things to come in to support you. Well, and Krista found a whole new artistic career where doing yes. voiceover acting. Yeah, I mean, which I really want to, how, how did that happen for you? Has that been because your time is available in this way? Did you meet someone? Did you? It was, no, I was an actor and my manager just threw across my table like, oh, you need to go to this audition. Um, you know, it's, it's Disney's, Disney needs a new Pocahontas and go to this audition. I was like, I'm not a voice. I don't, I don't know how you to do like voiceover. You could be like like face Pocahontas too though. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I was, you know, the story of Pocahontas is so amazing. Obviously, it's Pocahontas. And anything that champions my culture in a way that doesn't have light on it, I was like, dude, yes, I don't know how to do this. I have no idea. I think I called Daniel, a fellow quench person, uh-huh. who yeah. I saw on his social media page had something with a voiceover studio. And I was like, where is that? And can I go there? I have to do this audition. But I was an actor. And, and it, you know, it was very, and it was just like, do this audition. And it was a very like tedious process over several months. And one thing that I had done, because I had a dance company on the side and I would book dancers, whether it be through Quench ultimately later, um, but I was pursuing like, do I want to do this dance company and is this something I want to do? And as I started working with Quench and learning more about the business and staffing and corporate events, I was like, I do not want to do this. Yeah, it's a lot of... I don't want to do this because people don't want to pay for dancers in the capacity. Like the volume is not going to be there and people, what it takes to produce performance-based work for events is not what's in people's budget. So mm-hmm. I learned very quickly. I was like, this is not going to sustain itself, but I couldn't let it go for about a good two years beyond my knowing that that wasn't going to be. And I felt, I truly felt that I started auditioning for the voiceover stuff in the fall in October. And I had to go through like three or four different director auditions and stuff. And then I never heard anything like up until December. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I didn't get that job. And on December 28th, I called this girl I know who helps with like LLC stuff. And I said, I need you to close down this LLC. It's stagnant. It's sitting in my life. It's energy. This was the dance company. Yeah, yeah, this was the dance company. I was like, I need you to close this out. I'm full time with Quench now. I'm devoting my energies to that. And I just need to close this because for whatever reason, I need to close this so new things can come in. Closed it, came back from Oklahoma uh, got a call from Disney. It says you booked this job and we want you to do the voice of Pocahontas for these shows. She's the real Pocahontas. Guys. So it was, it was that. so, it was awesome because I truly felt that that was stagnant energy that I wouldn't let go of because it was a creative thing that I had started and I hadn't finished. And, and I was holding myself to something that I was never going to finish with it. And I had no desire to finish with it, but that's part of growing. That's part of growing up. That's part of growing. That's part of becoming a woman or the best version of your adult self. And that was like, it was more an ego thing that I had to let go of that I started something creatively and didn't finish it. But at the end of the day, it birthed something totally new for me because now I had all this new space to give to something else that evolved me, you know? And the reason I got the acting manager was through dance, which was my initial art. You know, I was like a dancer so nothing was on wrong. TV. So nothing yeah. was wrong. It was like it dancing led, led me to acting and the acting led me to voiceovers. And it was by me like being clear about what I needed to let go of and what I needed to do to anchor myself, which was take on this job and learn this, this new field. And I felt like, sure, I had to give up a little bit in the beginning, like, Absolutely. You're not going to make it to every audition. Sometimes you're going to have to choose the job. Sometimes you're going to have to choose the audition. And that is just the way it is. But it's lucky to be in a job where you can take most of the auditions. And if you're doing 75% and you're getting to say yes, 75% of the time, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. So that was, that was that transition. But I do think like Kelsey said, like once I started being empowered and once I started grounding myself, I did better in auditions from that time on. I did better in the voiceover auditions because I was too busy 
to give it so much weight and to give acting the pedestal, you just walk in and do the job. You're like, okay, this is how much time I've got. I have to be so strong with my time management and I got to look at this job. What does this paper need of me? Okay, I'm going in there. I'm doing that. And I'm not sitting there staring at him like, am I enough? Am I not good enough? Do you like the way I look? Does my face look right for this? Does it seem like I'm this person to you? It was like, no, here's what I am. Here's what I'm giving you. Now I got to go get back on this computer and finish this job. Yeah. And yeah. that people respond to that. Yeah. I think it's it's that balance between giving it the energy to do the work, but also yeah. knowing where you need to cut that line yep. and let it go and like go live in that world. And I think that's something that sometimes I I used to struggle with, but then I got really busy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know if you guys read Jenna Fisher's book, The Actor Handbook. No, but it's I heard it's great. really good. Yeah. It's great. I still need to write up an article about it. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. But uh in it she talks about she's like I it took me seven years to book a big role she was like in those seven years only like three of them was I not really acting she's like the rest of the time I was busy yeah was I busy acting no but I was busy and then the acting was there and she was like that was the that was when things were the best is because it was never like you didn't have time to focus so much on the rejection because it was it was just and that's easy. That's an easy place to fall is to fall so, into focusing yeah. on the rejection yeah. because especially whenever it's a numbers game and say it's like 50 auditions to every one booking, how can you not focus on that? But if you stay busy putting your energy into cultivating work and stability and giving to a little bit of every area, your life is going to present you opportunities. It was like in that moment, now I'm like a person with quench. Now I'm defined with quench in my job. I have a flow and then I've been given this opportunity. So like you book Pocahontas automatically, like I was like, I can't fumble this. I need to do the X, Y, and Z, get an agent, do all this stuff. And all of that synced up. And then it was like, boom, now you get to be creative at home in a way where you don't have to even leave your house to audition anymore. And I was like struggling with that and like needing to work and all of those things. So life gave me that. Here's how I'm going to let you still be creative. Here's how I'm going to let you still be an artist. You're still going to have to work your ass off for it. I'm not going to gift you any more voiceover bookings. You're going to have to now go how to learn how to be this artist. But like it's been such an awesome journey and it's something that I can do with Quench. And, and it's hard. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, yeah. but at least I don't have to leave. <laughs> and yeah. At least I don't have to put on makeup and go the sit in traffic. The story here is anything you can do at home in your closet is the best thing. It's yeah. the best thing ever. But, you know, I think it's all life won't wait for you. And I think actors, you know, myself included, have it makes you feel like you have to wait. You have to wait for someone else to say yes. You have to wait for your agent to call. I mean, did you think you, you'd wait to have kids? No. Like, but you know what? You, you look at it and you think, oh, my God, when's the best time to have kids yeah. as an actor? And never, never is the answer. I don't think it's a good time to have kids as an actor. Human ever or to take right. a vacation it's like, there's never it's never it's never yeah. it's easier no you're the kid yes but there's no good time to do anything as an actor you know and then you the, your family plans a reunion and you're like oh, I don't know if I can make it I don't know if I can take that time off and it just keeps you in this really stagnant place so it's nice to like Jenna said it's nice to just be busy you know yeah. I loved that live your life you know you can't wait for anything so yeah. On multiple ends. So you mentioned time management. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to that because you are all very busy. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, we had a running joke for a while that you just said, I'm very busy. Very busy. (laughs) Very, very busy. It was like, just put that on a bumper sticker (laughs) and a shirt. Um, Which now they do have like journals with it on it. All the things. I know. I feel like you started that. I started so many things (laughs) and I did not make money on them. (laughs) The LLC. The copyright. So... Do you guys have any systems in place for time management? How do you, what do you guys do? I'm always looking, even if it's like this tiniest little, the way you do a checklist, the, maybe you don't keep a list, a calendar. What What are your systems you guys have in place for time management? Well, we use t- a system called T-Sheets to manage our event booker's time. Okay. So you, it's like a, it's like how you clock in and out on a restaurant. You have it as an app or you have it on your um on your desktop. And so they, when they're working, they're working under different categories. So Kristen and I can always kind of look and say, oh, you know, Katie was working for this client for an hour and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're, I, I mean, I think the hard part in today's world is that you're always 
on, you know, so a lot of our job is trying to deal with a reactive, the company's nature is reactive, you know, we just, we get an email in and that's when, boom, we start going to work on that particular job. And sometimes it's hard not to know until the email comes in. Um, and I, I am constantly looking for ways. I constantly have lists going, um, we use a program called Slack. I don't know if you know that, but you can remind yourself on it. It's for anyone who doesn't know it. It's kind of like a, like a Facebook, yeah live stream where you can at one another um, and then you can set reminders for one another and then I put absolutely every single thing even drinking coffee into my calendar and I tag my husband in the notes for everything related to our Google calendar Google calendar Um, I find that that's the most it accepts every other kind of calendar um, and so I just put every single thing in my day in. So before I say yes to anything additional, I'm looking at the calendar and making sure. And sometimes, you know, workouts go in there and me time goes in there. I was going to ask if you scheduled free time. Yeah. Um, I think yes. you have to factor in all the schedules. I think apps are important. I think a calendar system is important and I'm like a big to-do list person. And, you know, the more you can type things and the more you can input them in text, even though every single one of us artists' favorite thing is to do is to write something down and there's this personal satisfaction in crossing it off the list. What is it about that? I it, love to there, write my things in a pencil it's, and paper, not it's even a like, pen. It's like, this is done yes. you know and and there's something about that but in the t- in the 25 minutes it would take me to write the to-do list I could type it in five and then that could be my 20 minute break to have a phone call and catch up with like a family member or a friend that's scheduled in of people that you don't see or also if you go thing. to a coffee shop yeah. and you might be able to knock out two things on the list but now you have it with you because it's in your phone versus on the piece of paper you left on the table yeah in your apartment. and I use the notes app do you have an app I use the like? notes app okay. I think it's important to streamline your organization and not have like 50 places you put things don't have two calendars and a written planner and then an email note section because you are gonna you're never gonna be able to get in front of that or in control of it yeah I think you have to like start the top of your week and say what are my priorities this week outside of my responsibilities and you immediately schedule those things into your calendar otherwise it's so easy for any of us but to put everything else you need to do and have to do in front of the self-care and the self-preservation and work-life personal creative balance is like the ultimate challenge for everybody's life and it only gets harder in that regard but I think support systems scheduling systems time management and then really just taking that time in the beginning and I think you have to revisit this like every quarter every year or whatever your whatever your flow is but you really have to like take time with yourself to like say okay what am I doing what are my big goals what are my short-term goals and then what is my map and then the schedule is built around what the wants are and and you really have to time that out and you have to be committed to it and disciplined to it um and then you just get to cross them off virtually on your phone with your new You get to delete. You get finger. to delete button. Delete. Yeah, it's just not as satisfying to delete as it is to cross it I off. I don't like <laughs> reminders on my phone, though. They go off at the wrong time. You know the reminder app yeah. on the phone? I don't use I don't, the reminder app the on the phone. App. Do you, I don't so you dig guys it. use So we got like Google Calendar, yeah. the notes. Uh-huh. Are those like the two main? Google Calendar for me Slack is the go-to. For, yeah. And then, in the end, then we have some team methods of doing that. Okay. Um, but yeah, for me personally, that's, yeah. And I think a good way, like funny enough to get people to respect your time, even like, you know, we're all like, hey, we should grab dinner or hey, you should do this, that social time that you're scheduling and everybody can be so fickle in LA, including us individually because yeah. of all that's going on. When you really calendar time that you're going to spend with people and you like send them an invite, it automatically makes them respect your time more. So and if you're going to cancel, you have to be like... You have to like cancel the appointment. You have to call them and tell them like, hey, I need to change this. I'm so sorry. I know we both have it in the calendar. So yeah. I think in just terms of like teaching people how to respect your time, there's something to be said about calendaring invites. And I know that seems so formal and so weird, but no. in this day and age, I have like shit to do. And if I tell you I'm going to see you on Thursday night and we're going to see each other at 6.30 to 8.30, then I expect you to respect that I made that time for you and not flake on me. And I, and that's something it's like easy in the world of LA to do. But as you get older and value your time more, 
I found that that was like a really great way to make people respect my time. Yeah. I agree. I love that. I so really bring that. people on board with whatever it is you're doing and communicate to them on that front. And it weirdly makes them feel obligated to keep their word, you know? Yeah. And then oh, that's great. It's so, yeah, I found that like, okay. And then you also have to put the end time on stuff. I'm always like, yeah, you know, you want to go to dinner and then some of your friends are late night owls or whatever. Oh, and they're like, let's get drinks. And I'm like, and then you're like seven money, and they're two, all the things. Three, so three. you can be like, oh my God, that would be perfect. Like 6.30 to 8.30. And then you put the end time on that. So you always have the out. I think you can set an alarm so it goes off yeah. for both of you. <laughs> totally. And I'm ten like, oh, I put, I'm doing something at nine. Oh, dang. Yes. Sorry. Right. Um, yeah. I tried using Evernote too, that system, but I, I use that for like if I go to a class and I'm taking notes, but I don't I don't like it for organization as yeah, much. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah, I like, I use it often, but I've, I use it for like financial things. I take pictures yeah. of receipts and stuff in it. You know what I use for that? I put everything in Dropbox. Do you? Okay. Yeah, my t- all my tax stuff. Every time I get, like, you get a million, you know, pay stubs. And when you're an mm-hmm. actor, you're just, like, dealing with all the – so I, all, everyone is photographed and into my Dropbox, and then I rip it up, you know, deposit your the phone? check. Yeah, and then I have it as an – and then at the end of the year when I'm doing taxes, I just email them, you know, it, it, I do it by months in a folder, and it's just all there. I have nothing paper That's to give great. them. Yeah. That's a good one. I know because there's it's hard to, like a file cabinet today is like what? and then eventually you have to and then are you bringing it in a paper what is that no it's like back to that pen and pen and paper yep. thing yeah okay so let's talk about something funny okay which I think you guys will be specific pros and I've never talked about on the podcast before ooh you same. guys hire and work with actors yes yes often and creatives in general. Let's talk about some do's and don'ts as an actor, as an employee. Oh, okay. <laughs> I oh, like okay. this one a lot. I know. I'm like, sure. Because I know, so I've, uh, I started with Quinch back in the day when you would text me and be like, yeah. hey, can you work next Friday from two, from five to 10? And I'll be like, sure. And you'll be like, okay, cool. We'll check in in two days, let you know more. Yeah. And that was like. Back in the day, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I was there. You're, you're OG. We did text messages. Yeah. Um, but now you guys have a vast network and it's it's a pretty large amount. And just because it's LA, but also because you, because you started it as a place that can hire people, that can be flexible, which by the way, it is the best job, you guys, because I've texted Kelsey before major events and been like, I booked something. I'm not going to make it. And she's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Like... Not to set the boss bar high, but like <laughs> you guys do it well. Oh, thank but you. But you guys work with actors and we're flaky and we're messy and you guys know you're in this world too, but let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I So, you know, we are empathetic because both of us understand totally. And I love working with actors. I mean, the essence of the company is to support actors. You know, when I make it, uh, the ideal version of it is Quench is there to help actors stay afloat while they're in pursuit of their dreams. You know, in practice, we have wardrobe matches that have to happen and sometimes ID security checks that have to be cleared like a week before an event. And so booking an audition, you know, that films the same day as the event so that we have to do, a, you know, the same size replacement and pull a rabbit out of a hat to get a credential. And this is not just like tray passing by. This is like working at the Emmys. Yeah. So that, and, and even sometimes for the tray passing, you know, the way it works for our clients, just so listeners know, is they get a casting link that has our, first our staff gets an availability check on an app that says, are you available this time? This is the rate you'll be making. Here's the wardrobe. Here's the location. You say, yes, you appear as available to our clients on a casting link. And from there, they make their selections. So when they select the staff, sometimes they feel they're like, no, I love Justin. And we're like, you don't even know 
Justin. Okay. <laughs> We're replacing Justin with George, and George is awesome. But sometimes and they're, the, they're a 32, yeah. 32, and they both are a 10. Yes, and they're both <laughs> of the same shoe size. Um, but, you know, our, our clients really fall in love with the staff, and because our staff is great, and they, you can see resume blurbs and taglines and pictures. So, yeah, we, we have to qualify a lot of disappointment. But we explain to our actors, or to our, or to our clients, rather, you know, we're doing a Samsung job. Well, Sam might have just just booked a Samsung commercial. Like, this is who you want on the job, mm-hmm. you know? And she, what is she going to say no to this commercial? Come on. So they, they get it, and we hustle like crazy to replace them. I think the hardest part is managing um, millennials. And mm-hmm. I feel like a grandmother saying that because I have been a peer to my staff up until really this point, you know? And as a 35-year-old woman, I am not a millennial. And I think the hardest part, and Krista can speak a little bit more to this, um, but I think that's a re- I, that's where a lot of our challenges lie. I think there's a lot of youthful enthusiasm that I love. I want to like bottle it and drink it and figure out how to sell it to other people because it's <laughs> like millennial <laughs> enthusiasm got going. I'm like that's the next business. Also called quench. Yes. Um, <laughs> quench your second thirst. Quench yeah. Quench your millennial. Juice. I know, that sounded weird and dirty. <laughs> it got weird. But um, I'm still working on the slogan. I just know the name. Anyway, I think there's a lot of passion and enthusiasm, which makes me really excited about the millennial generation. And then I think there's a lot of um, entitlement and not wanting to commit to something f- without it immediately satisfying and not understanding why they're not the CEO, you know, and really knowing that like, hey, if you invest in an idea and you have an idea and in three months you're not making a million dollars with it yet, like that's totally expected. Like you have to invest in things sometimes long term to really have them work. So we go from having like this, these amazing new staff to sometimes staff that we're like, wow, we really have to figure out different techniques to manage them. People don't want to read a full email anymore. That used to not be our problem. I used to be able to send an email and really trust that the staff could read it. Now, anything other than making it like technicolored to like you know (laughs) it's like highlighted like crazy like call time is here where these shoes like I'm trying to like put bold text in to have it pop up you know we're really exploring um video as a use for training people because they have to watch it not read it and fascinating yeah and the app is like a much easier way than I don't think texts would actually be as successful as they were back in the day um it gets buried in people's texts and, and even an email. I mean, and God forbid it's an email because then people aren't checking. So there's a real different way of working. Yes. Um, and weirdly, I think the actors that are most successful that we work with are always really good at their communication because they're f- the ones following up with the auditions in constant contact with their managers and agents have new headshots. They're, they're hungry and they're moving. But Krista has to manage... Yeah, more so than I do. I think my little speech would mm-hmm. be anytime you're doing anything in life, whether this is your quench job or whether you are working with a casting director or your agent or your manager or whomever, know that the moment you start emailing with someone or texting or having phone conversations about a job that you want, whether that's side income or the acting job, you are being observed from the minute the interaction starts. So if it takes you longer than like eight to 12 hours to reply to my phone call or definitely on email, especially in the world of tech, the amount of turnaround time you take to communicate on a job that I'm trying to give you that you need says to me who you're going to be to work with. How long once I send you an employee packet, it takes you to sign your contract, do your NDA and send me your driver's license is an indicator to me how it's going to be to work with you on a daily basis. So this is just really a tool for you to learn to manage yourself because yes, you have an acting agent, but we all know the agent does a percentage of the work and it is your job to cultivate yourself. You are Mm -hmm. the product. If you, same thing with the manager. So 
this really is just a duplication and it's a formula in which you need to teach yourself as an artist. And I know that artists are more one brained and then type A's are more one brained, but it is going to serve you tenfold in every single aspect of your life. If you answer your emails, sign your contracts be and respond in a manner, because that tells me how easy are you going to make my life? Am I going to have to chase you? Or are we just going to have a beautiful, mutual, respective relationship where we get to provide you opportunities and you get to support our company? Ugh, and so, that is so across the board, like that is acting, that is every yeah, other thing. so That's everything the way so he treats real. other it's, people. Yeah. And, it's yeah. everything. It says, and it's not answering an email at like eleven thirty p.m. It's like answering an email around between eleven thirty a.m. and eleven thirty p.m. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So for me. It's just know that like you always have an opportunity to sharpen your skill set and show who you are. And in this day and age, if you can be that person, just like Kelsey said, you are already going to be, you're You're going to stand, you're going to be successful and you're going to stand out like a star that like nobody else does. Um, And I think it's like the really cool thing about Quench is it's one of the very, very few agencies that champions and supports artists and actors. And when you book a job, we're going to tell you congratulations. And we're going to go do our thing behind the curtain and figure out like spit out and figure out how to replace that size match person. But we're not here to like, take opportunities or say this is definitively a job in the real world like we definitely want it to be something that supports you and not many companies are gonna support you in that way so the mutual respect of communication is the number one tool to set yourself up for success I think in life and everything you do and if you can do that you're gonna go a long way yeah, oh, I agree. That's so good. You're going to get like 75 applications. From <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, that is so useful. Oh, that is such good advice. Let's hop over to the acting thing for a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking you all around today. In terms of that, then being an accountant, being a hard worker, we know that everyone sitting here is all of those things. But yes. we know that in the world of creativity and performance, there's so little control we have over that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So are there any particular times that you guys have had in that roller coaster where you were like, I don't know if I can do this anymore? In terms of keeping acting on the plate? Uh-huh. Totally. Oh, oh, I would say like you kind of, I think, don't you kind of do that monthly? Yeah. <laughs> don't you kind of like check and go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm driving in my car and I'm like, Maybe it should be a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we're always going to be questioning that a little bit. I mean, obviously the passion is there and and you're going to be striving for it. But I think that's a question that totally comes up. That's why it's (laughs) so important to have a full life, you know? It's just... There, it's like you can go into one audition. I had an audition and the casting director, who I really want to say her name just to be like, thanks a lot. Um, but I won't, um, was typing, I will, I will, was writing an email the entire audition, like loudly typing, not looking up, didn't say hi or bye at any point. It was so weird. And the other, in fact, I waited to see a couple other actresses and I go, was it, I just need to know, (laughs) was it like me or was also an email being typed the whole time or potentially her autobiography. I don't know what she was working on. Um, I hope it was honestly. Uh, and, and they said, yeah. And so one, an audition like that where you, someone's like really disrespecting you, I think that that's enough to make you feel like, do I want to do this anymore? And then you have to sit with that. And I, after that point, got back in an acting class and I was like, oh, no, I really love this. You know, for me, I just have to know it, it can't, it's not first on the priority list for me. It, it can't be because of the whole mom thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely times like that. I think that's healthy. Yeah. I don't know. I think acting it's is. a question. Yeah. You're, when you're looking within, you always have moments where you question. You question yourself, relationships, your diet, your workout routine, your job. I think it's important to be checking in with yourself in that regard. Um, yeah, and it's a hard one. You get like, there are a lot of chinks in the armor on this one, you know? So it takes a certain kind of person. I agree. Yeah. And then I, and, but then to play devil's advocate, I watched my husband and I feel like he's been steadfast for a long time. It's always so interesting. Who's your husband in case they don't know? His name's Nicholas Gonzalez. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's been, he's like this anomaly for me to watch him. I'm like, look at you. 
working and auditioning and they're immediately <laughs> calling you. I'm like, look at that. It's very yeah. interesting. So I, I, this is, you know, my personal experience. I've watched him and he has had a very different one. He's been really steadfast for years and kind of never, um, you know, picked, slowed down his pace or picked his eyes up and looked around and that's really worked for him. So, and I think you just can't fully give yourself over to it in a way that you're you're giving this city or any other city or the art itself power over your worth. I think the moment you do that, you're in like a really dangerous place. So I think it's, you know, you're going to be dealing with rejection on a daily basis. We're dealing with so much day in and out that we have to like filter through and sort through and identify, is this real? Is this not real? Is this me? Is this my head? Is this my ego? Or is this like fact in life happening? So I think you can't give the craft power over your worth and you have to, at the end of the day, like go home. It's an inward thing. And like say, what am I doing to make my soul happy and my spirit happy outside of all that I'm giving and all the sacrifices that I'm making for this job, for this booking, for whatever I'm doing. And you have to like get undressed, go get bare. And then you're sitting in yourself and you have to go, I'm still worthy. I'm still an amazing human. I deserve love. I deserve respect. I deserve all the things, irregardless of me booking this job or not. Because the moment you pass over somebody else to determine whether you can have all those things, you've kind of lost it all. Which is, yeah, kind of how it's set up for the actor to feel. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I also, Lee Kilton Smith, I love her acting class. She married um, Nick and I, um, so we like her a lot. Um, (laughs) But she talks a lot about giving back, you know, so you can stay when you get in the kind of a weird place, like I want to quit or I don't know who I am, I don't know why I'm doing this. When you focus on... When you focus on other people, it really, really helps you get out of that me space. And this mm-hmm. is something I've been thinking about a lot. But I think we strive for happiness, which is a motherfucker, because you're never going to be happy all the time. Yeah. Happiness by des- you're going to be sad. The pendulum swings up and down. Sometimes you're happy. The happier you are, the kind of sadder you're going to be on the other side. That's just how life yeah. works. But really, to seek to be joyful, which is different than happy, you have to have purpose. So you should be seeking constantly your purpose. And actors are kind of set up to feel like their purpose is to get the job. And so when you don't, you feel purposeless. And then you see all these kind of floaty, egocentric people walking around that are looking for their happiness. And where is it? Why do I feel so sad all the time? So as long as you can fill yourself up with purpose... You know, and if that can be giving to others um, and then, you know, going after your auditions. So, yeah, I, that's something I think about a lot when I feel floaty and in my head. I'm like, I need to do something that makes me feel like a right. part of like a citizen of humanity right now. Right. And that could be enough for today. You know? That's really useful. And I think it's also worth mentioning that it, I don't think that that's something you can do tonight. I think that's something that's a process. I yes. think it's like yes. a Good daily point. check-in. I don't think you ever just it's it's the journey, not the destination of figuring out where you are. That's Definitely. right. Ladies, we're about in an hour. Wow. Yeah. Already. I know. I it's love- crazy. <laughs> I feel like I talk this is not how I always talk. I feel like we always talk about this with some clients. <laughs> we get on the phone and we do a little bit of like spa voice. Yeah. And oh, I kind of feel like it's I'm very do- common. It is. Well, it's like when someone asks your order, I'm like, oh my God, can I have a <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, why did my voice go up two octaves? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted a chicken. Uh, before we go, do you guys have any parting words? Anything that you wish you would have known before you started your own business, before you went to work for your best friend, before you became an actor? Anything in that world that you would like people to hear? I... My slogan is dream it and build it. And I think emphasis, underline, bold on the build it. You know, pick something, go big with it, and then really invest yourself in it. And it's okay if it takes you on a roller coaster. That'll be, you know, the adventure of a lifetime. And I think to piggyback on the build it part, I... I think we put so much pressure to know what the end is to determine whether we can start. 
And the truth of the matter is you have no idea what the end is going to look like. So just start, just do it, just do the work, just pick something and go for it. It, I wish I would have given myself permission in my early twenties just to put my head down and work on something without fear of what the result would be. If I had started doing and living the way that I started doing after all of my twenties, I can't imagine where I would be, but I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, obviously, because the roads have led me to be here. But just just do the work. Don't worry about the end. It's gonna one thing is going to take you to the next thing. I'm a big believer in phases and we can't get stuck in like this is it. This is what it is. This is where I've landed and this is what it's going to be. So just do and it will you will keep moving. You were it's yeah. you're all gonna keep moving through the phases. Nothing is Nothing has a period on it in life. You know what I mean? Nothing is an ending. We should continue. Hopefully by the time we're in our fifties and sixties, we'll be starting like another business. Then we'll be doing another form of an art. And you know, hopefully we're not doing the same thing. You're evolving. It's okay to evolve. Thank you guys. Oh, thank you for having us. chat session. (laughs) Uh, If people want to find out about Quench and follow either of you guys personally, where can they check those things out? It's quenchstaffing.com. You can apply there or you can book your next event there on the Staff Your Event tab and um, or at Quench Life on Instagram. And I'm at for art, art for art's sake. And I'm at Krista22 with, with a, a Z. Z. <laughs> so sassy. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And uh, I will talk to you guys in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Krista, Kelsey, thank you. Not only for hours and hours and hours of employment, but just for being awesome. These ladies are amazing. And this is not an ad or anything, but if you guys are at all interested in event staffing in LA, I would highly, highly recommend you check out Quench. It's the only legitimate staff company I work for anymore. They are the best. And now you've met the founders. Um, You guys... That was the end of episode 10. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating and reviewing. And thank you, Maggie Zabo, for our beautiful theme song. I think that's all I have for you guys. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Valentine, and I will see you next week. <laughs>